your praises loud. I was lost in darkness when you pulled me out. I will sing forever of your love come
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? We're glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to Crossroads. I'd like to ask you to take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time. This helps us to better minister to you and your family. Um, just a few announcements today. We're excited about Wednesday evenings here at the church. Wednesday evening, our groups are, are back in action. Our Canopy Kids has started back up on, uh, on Wednesday night. That's from nursery up through fifth grade. Uh, God is doing great things, and there are, there's really exciting things that are happening down there on Wednesday night. So I want to encourage you, uh, get your kids out for that, and, um, and, and spread the word in the neighborhood, because God is doing great things here at the church Wednesday evening. And then over at our, our middle school and high school, they meet over at the, the Straight Street building. That's grades 6 through 12, and I'm hearing exciting things happening over there. And up here at the church on Wednesday evening, we have several groups that are going. Uh, there's a men's group led by Chuck Green, fantastic Bible teacher. I encourage you men, jump in and check that out. It's a great place where you can get involved and, and, uh, and meet other people and build some relationships, build some friendships. The women's group built, uh, led by Kelly Corey, fantastic study. Uh, they're digging into God's Word and they're growing and, and they're growing together. Starting Point, led by Rick Corey. Rick Corey's got a group, uh, if you've never been into a group, and uh, maybe a, a thought of going to something smaller than the adult service, this would be a great place for you to go. Start there. Uh, maybe you're, you're coming back for a refresher, uh, start there. Or maybe you've never been to church before and you're just kind of getting started. Start with Starting Point. And then there's Financial Peace University. Audie Eddie is uh, teaching uh, Financial Peace University. We're giving Laura, somebody's mic up here, all right? We have a mic there. And uh, would you share with us a little bit about financial peace? Um, I, uh, I'm not like the Winston T from the play, so I can assure you that. But, um, and it's just coincidence that we kind of look like each other. I'm not, a, uh, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a financial guy. I'm actually a physical therapist. But um, I just wanted to encourage anybody that's you know, even thinking about or has, has had an inkling or anything of, uh, of you know, what this might be and what, uh, you know, what it entails. You know, it's for anybody from young, you know, young couples to older couples, whether you have a lot of money or uh, not enough, which most of us don't have enough. But um, um, it's it's uh, it's something that uh, I've been doing for or kind of going through his plan for the last probably 10, 15 years. And, um, you know, it's something that's changed my life. And it's something I think that, uh, you know, if you were to take that class, I I do think it is life changing. It. you know, it's not a get-rich-quick thing, so, it, you know, that's not what it's about. It's, 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 um, it's a, it, it, what it establishes is a plan, you know, for your money. Um, you know, what God gives you and, and you know, it, it just gives you, uh, puts you on the right track. It's a, it's a biblical-based um, financial teaching, so um, it does say starting January 6th. We just kind of have a, had an intro, so we really haven't even gotten into the meat of the class yet. So if you're you know, at all interested or you know anybody that's interested, um, you know, contact the church or myself. I don't know if my number's on there, but, um, you know, they, you can put you in touch. And if you have any children, you know, you can send them to one of the classes of the Canopy Kids or wherever, and then they can be taken care of. And when we're done, that's usually when they finish up. So, again, if I encourage anybody, because uh, it, it is life-changing if you uh, are interested. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Audie. I appreciate Audie and what he's doing there. Um, yeah, I've run into several people. We, we offered this course a while back, and I've seen them. They'll run into Audie in the hallway and say, Hey, you know what? God help me. He, those biblical principles that I learned from that class, I'm now debt-free. And, and they're just sharing what, what God's done in their life. 
And so uh, how exciting is that? So uh, that is all on Wednesday evenings. And then on this Saturday, there's a couples party over at uh, Straight Street Student Center. Um, the information is in your bulletin. I'm not sure what this means. It says couples. It says no children. So that means couples, right? Um, so if you're older and don't have kids, I don't know if that means you can go or not. But call and find out on there, all right? Uh, a lot of people ask questions. I said, well, I'm just purveying the information here at the, um, the couples Christmas party, after Christmas party this Saturday at Stray Street over there. And then, you know, God is doing some great things here in our church. People, God is moving. People are coming to Christ. And it's just super exciting when you see that. People are, are accepting Christ. Their lives are being transformed. And then God is laying on people's hearts ministries. Uh, that's, that's a natural outflow. When you're following God, He wants you to do something. So God's tapping people on the shoulder. And so Laura Rensel up here. And Laura, I'm going to ask you to come over here and uh, stand here in the light here. And uh, if you'll just share a little bit. Laura's uh, been burdened for the nursing homes. And God started to talk to her about doing something. And so she's doing something. So share what you're doing and how they can help because you're looking for some help. Yeah, we are looking for some help. Um, like you said, my name is Laura Rensel. Um, about a year ago, my family, we were, like you said, burdened. Um, we were driving by the nursing homes and there was never very many cars in the parking lot. It was really sad. And I'm a stay-at-home mom. So I was like, hey, why don't we go? So we started visiting um, the homes. We go at least once a month. Um, we try to go about two or three times. And they love seeing our kids. And it's amazing. We've had other people go with us. We make a craft. We take it up there. But something we notice is that a lot of them, one, they don't get very many visitors and or their families in the area. And they don't have a lot of things that they actually need because they're not provided by the nursing home. Uh, they'll they'll like go to shake my kids' hands and their hands are dry and scaly because they aren't given hand cream because that's something the family is supposed to provide. So we are putting together baskets. Uh, it's in the bill. Excuse me, in the bulletin, uh, myself and Emily Egler, uh, we're also teaming up with the nursing home reach outreach uh, with the church, and we're putting together baskets of necessities of things they need, like the hand cream, lip balm. Uh, the nurse, the lady at the nursing home said they fight over the little packets of tissues, like they will fight over those. So um, little things that you don't really think about, they are begging for and needing. And so um, we also like to put in um, a little bulletin um, about you know, why we're doing this, Christ's love, and a gospel of John in large print, so that they know that we're sharing God's love through these baskets, that there is someone there saying, hey, we're thinking about you, we love you. Um, the baskets are $15. Um, our goal is 120 We currently have $22. Um, so we are almost to getting one nursing home done, but we're trying to get two. So um, if you are interested, like I said, they're $15, um, and I will be out uh, by the welcoming center after this service. So if you have any questions or anything at all, just let me know. All right. So that's exciting. And uh, if you'd like to help her with that, just see her after the service. Um, God is, again, moving mightily. Uh, I'd like to just share with this. This is pretty exciting. Our birthday gift to Jesus. We have gone over the goal. Isn't that exciting? Let's, let's praise God this morning. Um, I, I'm just I'm just praising the Lord. I'm thanking Him. You know, we've prayed. We've asked God for 75000 We have just over 76000 that has come in. And that was as of last Sunday. I'd like to encourage you to keep giving. Maybe God has been working on your heart and you've been praying about what you could give and, and you say, I want to still continue to give. Please, over the next few weeks, please keep giving. We're going to have a, a, a celebration in a few weeks and just celebrate all that God's doing, give you a little bit more feedback from our, who we're touching around the world. 
But uh, I just want to encourage you uh, with what God has done there. $76,000. Isn't that awesome? Let's give our God again. That is just wonderful. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm so thankful that all the people that we're touching around the world, I'm starting to get in touch with some of these folks. Uh, another one that's on there, you'll notice it says IMAP. Uh, the fellow called me this week and said, hey, I just... I know that, uh, I know that uh, things have changed up there, and I just wanted to meet you over the phone and, and chat with you and, and let you know what's happening in our ministry. And so it's a real blessing to hear how that we are, as we support those folks, they are in turn really doing a work of God and transforming lives, and, and we get to be a part of that, and, and what a blessing that is. So I am so thrilled. Let's continue to give. You know, I always tell my kids, you know, you cannot outgive the Lord. You just cannot outgive the Lord. Uh, if you're thinking about, should I, what should I do? Should I give this or not? If that's a question for you, the answer is always yes. It's always yes, because you can't outgive the Lord. Whether it's uh, helping in the Christmas offering or, or helping somebody on the, on the street, you, you feel compulsion to give, and, uh, and God blesses that. And it's just, it's just wonderful. You can't outgive the Lord, and that's what we've been seeing here in our church. So uh, let's stand this morning as we receive our morning offering. And I uh, just want to encourage you, as, uh, as we, we're seeking the Lord together, just let Him do His work in your life and, uh, and continue to honor Him. You know, when you think about this this morning, we, we, get, we have this awesome privilege. Last night, I asked one of our men in the service to pray over the offering, and he, he prayed this. He said, Lord, we're just so thankful that you have given us all that we have, and we get to give this little bit to you, and you let us keep the rest. Now, I never thought of it like that. Do you know? Always think of what I'm surrendering to God. He said, Lord, you let us. You have allowed us to keep the rest. What an awesome God. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we honor you. We bless your name, Lord. It is with joyful hearts, with cheer in our heart, Lord, that we come before you, that we worship you this morning, because your love endures to all generations. You have been faithful, Lord. Your love endures to me, to our church today. And Lord, as we give to you, we know that we can't outgive the Lord. We just keep giving to you and just watch you, what you're doing in our heart. And we have allowed you to supply. God, thank you for this birthday gift to Jesus. What an awesome thing that you have done, Lord. We, we stop, we pause, and we say, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. Our God provides. And we have watched you provide. Lord, you've worked through the generosity of your people. You've worked through, uh, through the meeting needs, and you are the provider. Lord, as we continue to give today, as we watch that, that uh, birthday gift to Jesus, just continue to climb. We'll give you the honor and the glory. As we give our tithe and our offerings to you, uh, Lord, would you just touch people around the world, starting here at home, Lord, with those little kids that come on Wednesday and on Sunday. We are, we're changing the world downstairs with those children, investing and pouring our life into them uh, and with our teenagers and just all the ministries that you've given us, Lord. We have an awesome privilege to open your word and to watch you transform people's lives. God, thank you for allowing us to be part of your work. Bless now your people, Lord, as they bless you. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
close your eyes for just a moment. God is great. How great is he? He died on the cross for each of us. Give him praise this morning. Thank him for who he is. Just praise him right now. so much great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. Small things, big difference. We started last week with our series, Small Things, Big Difference. Uh, as, you, as you look at your life at the beginning of the year, a lot of times we hear a lot of people talk about the change that they want to make in their life. And uh, when you want to make change, you want it now. Did you ever notice that? It's like, I, w I want this and I want it now. I want this to be over and I just want it to be done. And uh, we, said that, we said last week that change equals challenge. We, we resist change uh, because it's difficult at times. In order to make new things happen in your life, uh, it, there's a degree of change that happens. So that change can be a challenge in your life. But uh, we, we said that, um, that it's really the small things that make a big difference. You know, sometimes we come in and we say, I'm going to just revolutionize my life and it's all going to be, everything's going to be straightened up in one week, you know? Uh, the reality is it's the small things. We start with some small things that makes a big difference in your life. Um, we said last week that, um, that, that you are who you are, who you are has been based upon the commitments that you make and the habits that you develop. Uh, who you are today, uh, you are a result of the commitments that you have made and the habits that you develop. That's why God tells us in his words to, to commit our ways unto the Lord. Uh, because as, uh, those commitments and the habits that you develop, small little habits. 
Now listen, we, we think about habits. We think about good habits and we think about bad habits, don't we? Uh, most of the time we think about bad habits. And when you think of a habit, you think, oh, I've got to stop that. I've got to, I've got to forget that. We think of a bad habit. But today we, we've, we're going to talk about, over the next few weeks here, an, an acrostic. It's habits. And I'm going to give you, give you this acrostic habits. Last week we said uh, the H was have time in his presence. Have time in his presence. Uh, that is where we develop intimacy. When you have time alone with God and you are, you are in his presence. I, I gave you the Bible reading programs. They're inside of your bulletin today. Uh, we went through so many last week and ran out, so I want to make sure that you had them. There's three options in there. One is a five minutes, five days a week. I think everybody could j- jump into that. Uh, if, you're, if you're not doing anything on a regular basis, start there. Five minutes a day, five days a week. Um, you know, what would happen? God could revolutionize your life if you just give him five minutes a day. Uh, there's another one. It, it has the Bible through in a year. Maybe you want to do the Bible through in a year. And we said that a lot of times people get so behind and they, they become overwhelmed with guilt. Uh, they look at a guide. That's just a guide. Uh, if you don't make it through, it's okay. It's, it, don't be overwhelmed. It's, it's just, it's there to help you. And then there's the 365, the key chapters. Maybe you want to do that one instead. So there's several options there. But this is how we develop intimacy with God. It is spending time. When we have this time in His presence, okay, and maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's ten minutes, maybe it's a half hour, maybe it's an hour, wherever you're at. But then in the middle of the day, we want to come back and have have a few more minutes with Him. Maybe you don't have your Bible with you. You're just, you're just stopping. You're, you're hanging in His presence. You're saying, Lord, I need you, and you let Him fill your soul. That's what we're talking about. Have time in His presence. And as you have time in His presence, He begins to change your life. That is really the epicenter of your spiritual life right there. Um, <clears throat> this is where we develop intimacy. Remember, we said that God, God called, uh, says that we can call Him Father. As we look through the Lord's Prayer, we studied that extensively. God, we get to call Him our Father. That is a, a term of intimacy. Um, he also says that, that we, the church, are the bride of Christ. He uses the analogy of a bridegroom and the, uh, and the bride. So that's a close relationship. There's an intimate relationship here. So as you think about your, your life with God, there's a degree of intimacy. And that's what happens when you have time with God. Christianity is so different than all the religions of the world. Christianity is all about how God sought you. God came to this earth for you so that you may have a relationship with Him. And as you take that relationship with Him and you develop it, you grow with Him, God does wonderful things. But it's all about Him coming to you. And, and, uh, and, 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 and we get to have a personal relationship. So there is a personal nature of, of, our, of our faith. But faith is not only personal. Faith is also public. Uh, Faith is personal, not necessarily private. Did you catch that? Faith is personal. It's me and God, we're personal, but it's not necessarily private. In other words, you know, Jesus told us, go get alone in your prayer closet. Yes, we have a private, a personal time. Nobody else is with me and God. But the scriptures are all about teaching of a, a connectedness to the body of Christ, that we need each other. And so the A in the habits is accountability. Accountability. Uh, we're going to talk about that today, accountability. And then maybe you want to write in your notes on the side of that, accountability and also active in community. Active in community. 
I just, I just want you to think about this. this, this word accountability. When we hear accountability, um, we tend to get a little bit afraid, don't we? Have you ever noticed that? And we say, oh, what does that mean? They're going to inspect everything I do now, right? That's, that's not what accountability is. That may, there may be elements of that, but that is not what accountability is. Um, as we're thinking about accountability, I want you to remember that my spiritual business is your spiritual business. It really is. What I do, how I live is part of your life. And, and you have a, a, a reason to be concerned. And I have a reason to be concerned for you. And, and across, all around this place, we have a reason to be concerned for each other. We hold each other accountable to the things of God. Um, we understand accountability in many ways. If you go and you take your checkbook and you write a check and there's mo- no money in your bank and you hand that check at the grocery store... Um, guess what? Your bank is going to hold you accountable, right? I mean, there's no questions about it. You get a nice letter in the mail with a $50 fine, you know? They are going to help you. They're holding you accountable so you don't write a check without money. Um, How about your electric bill? If you don't pay the electric bill or any of your utilities, you know, um, it's the middle of winter and all of a sudden you drive by, your lights are going to be out because the, uh, the electric company is going to hold you accountable to pay your bill, right? And then there's also um, your boss. If you, if you have a boss, you know, you go to work every day and your, your boss says, you know, you've got to be here and you've got to put in eight hours and you come and you put in three hours, uh, what does your boss do? He holds you accountable. There's going to be a talk. There's going to be some sort of confrontation. And you do that on a regular basis. Pretty soon you won't have a boss. You won't need him because he's going to let you go, right? I mean, so that, that, there's accountability there. So that's a very important issue. And, uh, and so we understand accountability. And our families, our families hold us accountable. Um, you know, whenever the wife puts the trash bag in front of the door so that the husband practically has to trip on the way out the door. Have you ever, I don't know if that's ever happened in your house, but I've seen it in a few places, all right? Not, not in our house, but I've seen it in other places, you know? And, and so, you know, and then it's amazing how we as husbands can walk right around that, okay? And when you walk right around that bag that's sitting there ready to go out the door, let me tell you, there's an accountability that happens. Uh, th- there's a discussion that takes place. It's accountability. We understand accountability, um, but yet we're sometimes afraid of it. And so this morning, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to just take you over to Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. And, uh, and this is a powerful passage here because it talks, first of all, the first fill in the blank is that we are all accountable to God. We are all accountable to God. This is the first level of accountability is, is before God. Uh, Romans 14 and verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Uh, We are first and foremost accountable to God. And when we understand this, uh, what was happening, you go back and you read chapter 14, you read the verses preceding this verse, and you'll see what was happening. There was, a, there was an argument happening. There was tension in the church. Um, there was, there, people were living in different manners. You had the people that had a Jewish background. They understood the feasts. They understood the, the, festive, uh, the, the uh, special days. They also understood the dietary laws. 
Remember, the Old Testament had all these dietary laws, all these things that, that need to, uh, that there were the rules that they followed, basically. And then they, they came along, and Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus dies for their sin, comes back to life. And this group of people that had this background now are following Christ, and they are trying to take that background and lay that into the grace of God, lay that into, into following Christ. And then you had another group of people, the Gentiles, the people that didn't have the background of faith. They didn't have a background understanding the dietary laws and the special feast. These people were coming to Christ as well. And they, they said, we're following Christ. This group over here said, well, if you want to follow Christ, you, you can't eat certain foods. And, uh, and these people said, what are you talking about? We're following Christ. It's faith in Christ alone. So there was a tension there. Who was right? Who was wrong? They were both right. There was both. Everything was okay. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, do you not understand? You're you're concerning yourself over things that really don't matter. You're putting yourself on an issue here that is uh, is really God is the one who answers. Do you not understand that you will hold yourself accountable? He says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? Uh, Both sides. It wasn't just one side here. It was both sides. Why do you people who have these religious laws, why do you condemn these other people? And you people who don't follow them, why are you condemning them? It says, get on with the Christian life. Let's move forward. Let's get on with who Christ is. And he says, for it is written, uh, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One day we will all stand before the judgment seat. Now he's talking to Christians here. And this is the Bema seat. The, 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 the original word there for the judgment seat is Bema, Bema seat. It's the Bema seat of judgment of Christ. And what that is, it's a reward seat. Okay? Uh, you will not, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you will not stand before God and answer for every sin. Who gets to answer for your sin? Jesus. All right? You can say that out loud. Who answers for your sin? You know, isn't that like Jesus? Jesus answers for your sin, right? He, gave, he paid it on the cross. He died for you. He gave everything, 100%. And that is covered under the blood. Nothing that you can do will earn your way to heaven. Nothing. But there is a sense of reward here. Now look at the reward. These rewards will not get you into heaven. This is a, the reward seat of Christ. And what it is here, it is, it is the, the same word that was used, Bema, the Bema seat, was the, uh, the same as in the Olympic Games. Uh, if you, remember, these, there was a Greek culture then, and if they're, if they're into the Olympic Games, uh, what happens at the end of the competitions? They, they come by and they're rewarded for how good they did. First place was handed out, second place, third place. Uh, and if you, if you broke the rules, you were just completely disqualified, right? And so everything that they had lived for was being rewarded. You think of an Olympic athlete. He, he puts everything into his life uh, everything about his life goes to, to compete. And then he gets the reward, you know? I often say that an Olympic athlete will train all of his life for a three-minute race, you know? For, for some of them are for 30 seconds. They, they'll train their entire life for this moment and, uh, and how powerful that is. But what, what the comparison here is that when we stand before God, God says, I'm going to reward. And as you walk by, now what will we do with those rewards? Revelation says that we're going to lay them at the feet of Christ. And, and now, think about this. Everything that you give your life for, um, we're, as we stand before God, He's going to say, yeah, that was a personal motive. No reward over there. You did that to be seen by men. No reward over there. Uh, you, uh, what, 
You know, but here's, here's these things that were in tune with God, and God says, look, here's the reward, my faithful servant. Here's the reward. It's kind of like Lot. If you go over and look in Genesis 18 and 19, you read the story of Lot. And Lot, Lot, uh, as Lot left the city, and, and the city was being judged, and, and God was raining down f- you know, all the judgment on, on the city. And then we, we see Lot. What, Lot was saved. Lot was able to go to heaven. But listen, everything that Lot poured his life into was gone. He poured his life into things that were, that were not of God, poured his life into things that were away from the Lord. And as he's running back, guess what? God says, it's tried by fire, it's gone. And what, do you want your life to be like that in front of Christ? When you stand before God, do you, want, do you want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you saved me as a teenager, and I, I live my life for myself. Lord, you saved me as a, as, as a young adult, you saved me in my middle age, and Lord, but from there, everything was about me, and I was consumed, and I'm sorry, I have nothing to show for it. I want my life whenever I get before the Lord. Whenever I stand before the Bema seat judgment of Christ, I want it to be, wow, you are in tune with the Savior. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know, there were times over there you did that to be seen. But over here, you did it because I was working in your heart. And no one saw you. And this is what God did. And this is what God did. And we see the fruits of the labor of what God has done in our life. Um, Don't judge others. That's not accountability. Accountability is not judging somebody. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, and uh, there were two preachers, Charles Spurgeon and Joshua Parker. I'm sorry, Joseph Parker. Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. They were two uh, preachers during the Victorian era, uh, during the Victorian era in England, and they were used mighty, mightily of God. They preached together. Uh, you've all, everybody's heard of Charles Spurgeon. We quote him often. Uh, he's a, a, incredible, a lot of, lot of gifted writing. Um, but as you think of Charles Spurgeon, then his friend Joseph Parker, uh, these two, they were, they were in the trenches together, and then they parted ways one day uh, because they had a disagreement. And here was the disagreement. Uh, Joseph Parker was known for going to the, to the theater, to the public theater. And so Spurgeon said, uh-uh, you've crossed the line. I, I'm not going to do that. Now, it's a different era, huh? <laughs> different day. And, uh, I mean, you're talking a long time ago here. And then Joseph Parker said, well, I have a problem with you, Charles Spurgeon. You smoke cigars. And Charles Spurgeon smoked cigars, you know. And so they had this issue, and these two split up, and they divided over that. Who was right? Who was wrong? I don't know that either one had a a true issue. That was, here here the deal was, they're following God. God blessed both of them tremendously, and they had this tension here. And so this tension was not really worth it. And, and this is what I've come to learn this. God blesses people that you disagree with. Remember that. God blesses people that you disagree with. We may get in the trenches. We may disagree on certain things. You may, there may be set, uh, different things of Christian liberties that you deal with. And, uh, and as you're moving forward, God is going to bless the other person just as much as he's blessing you, even though you disagree with some areas. And that's something to always keep in mind. That's what happened between Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. God blessed them both mightily. And today we live in a time uh, when, when everybody says that, you know what, I'm accountable to myself. 
I'll be just accountable to myself um, and, and not taking the truth of God's word for who it is. They want to become accountable just to themselves. And, uh, and that's really not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are, number one, accountable to God. And then we are also accountable to each other. Now, I'd like to give you three, three levels of accountability. There are levels of accountability. We have accountability to God. Now, there are three levels of accountability to each other. The first level is, uh, is attending worship faithfully. When I come in and I attend worship faithfully, I'm here. You're here this morning. This is, this is part of our accountability because we're part of a movement. We're part of a group of people. We're moving forward in Christ. So as I move forward in Christ, you're with me. We're together. We're moving together. That is like a, the foundational layer of accountability. I associate with, with, this, with this group. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, And let us... Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's that word habit. Some are in the habit of just saying, okay, I used to be part of that and now I'm going to back off. I'm, I'm just going I'm, I'm to step away. And there are reasons. Why would somebody step away? Why would the Apostle Paul encourage, encourage people to come back to Christ? Well, there were a few things. Number one, in the book of Hebrews, there was a lot, a lot of persecution that was happening. The church was under fierce persecution. And uh, dur- during this time, he says here, he says, even in spite of persecution, basically, don't give up meeting together. Don't forsake it. This is important. Have you ever heard somebody that tells you, well, I can be a Christian, I don't need to go to church? Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that. Okay? Just about everybody's heard that. Um, I'm, I've, I've had several people in my life that were very close to me says, well, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Uh, there's a degree of truth to that. Um, you know, um, but coming into church doesn't make you a Christian, does it? Um, no more than going into McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It just doesn't work that way, right? I think if you go long enough, you turn into one. But, you know, uh, coming to church does not make you a Christian. So there, there's the silver lining of that statement. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that this is important. Being together is extremely important. And so when you say, well, okay, my family doesn't like my association with the church, and there's my degree of perse- persecution, right? So there's a reason why I stopped coming. God says, don't forsake it. Don't, do, not, do not get in the habit of missing the body time of Christ. Um, he, what, are, what are some other reasons that could have been happening? Well, how about lack of interest? Sometimes you just get a little disinterested. Uh, do not stop coming when you're disinterested. That is a discipline. Look, the, the little habit that we develop, it's a small thing that will make a big difference. You may walk in, you may have a rough period. We go through times like that. Just keep coming because it's about the group. It's about us together. We're being held accountable. And this is, this is the beginning layer of accountability right here. Um, some people have neglected uh, to come. They neglected their duty to come and, and, and be, with, be with others uh, because they felt no interest. Others felt dissatisfied. Uh, you know, sometimes you feel dissatisfied. Well, I don't like this, I don't like that. And, and we can go on. There's, there's always things like that. Um, and as you look at the dissatisfactions, you've got to come back. 
there's a bigger picture here. We're moving forward. We're moving forward with Christ. We're, I'm associating myself with this group. And it's more than a, uh, about me. It's about us. Um, when, when you are not here, you're missing out. I want you to remember that. When you're not here, you're missing out. You miss the fellowship. You miss the body interaction of Christ. Um, a, small, a small group. There's also a small group interaction. That's the third level. Third level is a small group. Acts 5.42 says this, Day after day, in temple courts and from house to house, uh, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, in temple courts, that's the larger environment, and in house to house, that's the smaller environment. We need to have both of these elements into, into our life, into your Christian walk. Here's the big group on Sunday. Wednesday night, we're trying to get a few small groups. Maybe you have a little group meets in your house. Maybe it's just a few of you. doesn't have to even be formalized, but you're coming together. Maybe it's, maybe it's a few of you get together for dinner twice a month, and you encourage one another in your faith. Uh, that, this, this interaction, we've got to rub shoulders. I'm so excited about Celebrate Recovery, what's happening on Friday nights up here. Uh, they are coming together, and they're holding each other accountable. They want to move forward. They're, they're, they're heading in the right direction, and God's, God's pulling pulling a group together of people that are meeting together and Christ is meeting with them and He is changing their lives. Those people who are gathering together. And there's an element. I like, uh, I like what Rick Warren said. He says, if, uh, if you want to be forgiven, you, you just call on the Lord and He forgives you. That's called confession. He says, but if you want to change, you need accountability. You need other people around you. You need to surround yourself. Uh, surround yourself with those people. Uh, if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nature of the body. The very nature of the body is this, all right? Um, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but, as, uh, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we understand that. And he's talking about the body of Christ. We as the church, we are the, we are the body of Christ. Um, he says here, now, if the foot should say... Now, wouldn't that be funny if your foot could say something? <laughs> okay. If your foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Hmm. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And he goes on and he's talking about, he's talking about unity here. But what he shows us is the very nature of the church. Uh, what happens with your foot if you step on a nail? What does the rest of your body do? You know, do you step on a nail and your, the rest of your body keeps going, you know? You start dragging your foot across. No, when you step on, on, on a nail, your whole body goes into reaction and holds that foot accountable. We have pain. We have pain. So the, when you step on that nail, what happens? My hand goes here. My leg comes up. My other hand comes down. I'm ready to yank that nail out. My face is engaged. My brain's engaged. My emotions are engaged. There's a whole lot engaged. Why? Because I've held this foot accountable. There's been pain. 
And that's what happens in your spiritual life. In our spiritual walk as the body of Christ. When one of us are hurting, listen, it's the very nature. We're connected. You don't take your hand and leave it at home. You don't take your foot and say, well, I didn't like my foot today. And certainly, you know, look at the foot. It's not a very beautiful thing, is it? You need it. You've got to have a foot. And that's, that's, what, that's what, the God, what the Scripture is telling us here. We have got to understand that we need each other. The last level of accountability here is a caring friend. A caring friend. That's the last one I'm highlighting here. Uh, a caring friend. You know, we, we take it look, look like a funnel. You start with a large group on Sunday. We're here. There's a lot of activity, a lot of excitement. We, we sing a few songs and we're encouraged by God's Word. And then we, we bump into each other in the hall and we, we just kind of have, that's kind of the beginning of it. And then we come down to a smaller group. Uh, maybe you have 10 people in that group or there might be 12 or something like that. And, and our goal this year is to make our church a group of small groups. We want everybody to be connected, whether it's Celebrate Recovery, a Wednesday night group, a Sunday morning group, a Tuesday night group. We're going to have groups all over the place. God is going to do some exciting things as we get together in His presence. And it's not a Bible study. It is doing life together. Yes, we will study the Bible. The Bible is always the center of everything we do. But we're taking it and we're saying, oh, okay, what did they talk about? How do I relate to that? I I need a brother to share with. I need somebody who can help me with this. I need somebody to carry this burden with me. And then it comes down to the person who is your accountability partner? Who, is, who are the people in your life that can speak truth into your life? You know, I, I can't just come up, come up to somebody in the hall and say, hey, you got a problem. You know, did you ever do that to somebody? You probably never got another conversation with them again, you know. You've got a problem. No, this isn't AOL, you've got mail. You've got a problem, right? No, you have to earn that right. I have to earn the right to speak truth into my life. And I have to give you permission to speak into my life, right? So when we have these relationships around us that people can speak truth into my life, and they say, hey, you know, did you ever notice the way you, the way you were talking down the hall? That was pretty sarcastic. Oh, oh, wait a minute. But I know the Bible. I know all the doctrine. You know all the Bible, but you just blew somebody off down the hallway. Okay, thank you for speaking truth into my life. Thank you. I've got to go say I'm sorry. And you go make it right. You see, that's, that's what we need. We need a deep, caring friend. Accountability is to have a deep, caring friend. Somebody who you allow into your life that will encourage you. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this. So encourage each other. Build each other up just as you are already doing encourage the word encourage there is this is this word in the greek it's parakaleo and what it means is to come alongside of and the reason i share that with you because it's important because the holy spirit is uh, it, it is it is a verb form of the same word that's used for the holy spirit paraclete it means to come alongside what does the holy spirit do to you he comes alongside of you and he encourages you He takes God's Word. He comes alongside of you. He encourages you. Uh, There's areas of your life that need help. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and encourages you. What is the ministry that we're called to do as a body of believers? To come alongside of each other. 
And we're to help bear one another's burdens and encourage. An accountability partner is not a policeman. They're not a policeman. I want you to know that. They're not a policeman. They are somebody who is ready to pick you up. Somebody that you respect, somebody that you care about, and you have given them the right to talk into your life and help you up. See, that's the difference. When you're judging, you condemn. That was wrong. That's judging. Encouraging says, brother, you need a hand. Let me pick you up. Let's work together. Did you really mean to hurt that person? Uh, I know, I, certainly you didn't do that. Come on, let's go. I'll help you out. You see the difference? That's the difference. That's an encourager. That is an, a, a true accountability partner. Find a caring friend that will come alongside of you. Find a caring friend that will come alongside of you and encourage you. Uh, men find a caring man, a man. Women find a caring woman. Uh, you, you don't want your men, you don't need a, a woman to be your accountability partner unless it's your wife. Okay? You need, you need another woman. And, and uh, women need another woman. Men need another man. And that is how this thing works. And we let them speak truth into our life. And they come and they pick us up. Um, Proverbs 13.20 says that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If you want to, this is what it is. We're walking with the wise and we're encouraging each other together. God's helping us to move down the field together. Small things will make a big difference in your life. Five minutes with a caring friend will change your life. You say, I don't have one of those right now. I would say less than 10% of the people in our church probably have this set up where they allow people to speak into their life. I have several people that speak into my life. Uh, it's not a formal thing. I don't have an email discussion with them on, uh, to, every Tuesday at noon. Um, some people are like that. That's not, that's not me and my partners. That's not how we work. Uh, but they speak into my life. And who will you open up? Do we understand that we need each other? We can't do this alone. Uh, if there's things in your life that need to change, are you willing to go through the process and work? Or, we're, we're all moving forward. God is saying, I want to move you closer. What's the, the target is Christ. We're coming to be more like Him. And as we come to be more like Him, I need other people who have Christ in them to come alongside of me. See, he who walks with the wise grows wise. I'm having a problem. I need people who will speak wisdom into my life. So many times I've seen people, they run out. And they'll say, oh, we're having a problem. And maybe it's a husband and wife problem. And I'll hear one of the partners goes out and, and meets with other people that aren't connected to the body of Christ. And they give them the wrong advice. And their life has dealt so much pain because they made decisions that didn't have godly input. And I can't see everything in my life. I need other people to look into my life. You can't see everything in your life. Allow other people to look into your life. And allow them to encourage you to come alongside of you. In closing this morning, an, a, a, an accountability, somebody who's an accountable person in your life is like a spotter at the gym. You know? You, you, you go down the gym, these guys are lifting all that heavy weight. And you see a guy over there, he's bench pressing, and he's got that weight. And he, he gets going, and he has a spotter right next to him. The spotter is somebody who's close enough to jump in when there's trouble. 
Now, the squatter is never on a treadmill while you're lifting weights. So the, the guy's lifting weights, and he gets going. He, he says, man, I, I can do this weight. And he gets through about six reps, and all of a sudden it gets hard. He gets on the seventh rep, and it's getting tough, and the spotter's starting to get a little concerned. He gets on the eighth rep, and now the weight's starting to get a little bit uneven. And he goes, and the, and the spotter says, now calm down. Calm down. We're going to be all right. And he comes back down. He's like, oh, I can't do this. And he starts struggling. And the spotter says, yes, you can. And he starts getting in his face. You can do this. And then when he sees that he's really struggling, what's the spotter do? He comes over and he just puts a finger or two on the, on the bar and helps him lift it. Did the spotter exercise a whole lot? No, he put a finger or two on there and helped him lift it. And what he did was he came alongside and he encouraged him and he was able to do it. And there are times that, 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 that it feels like it may crush and the spotter can certainly jump in and salvage it at that point. But most of the time... The spotter just comes along and says, you can do this. You can do this. Who will you allow to be in your life? Have time with God. Accountability is big. It's huge. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd just like to come alongside of you this morning and encourage you with God's Word. Are you able to, to, uh, to think this morning about how that you are accountable, number one, to God? You're accountable, number two, to the body of Christ. Um, we were never meant to do this alone. Look at the levels of accountability. Um, are you active in community? Do you have people in your life that are helping you go the same direction, that are moving down the journey with you? If you're here and you've not accepted Christ, I'd like to give you the opportunity to, to accept Him right now. The thought of accountability of standing before God without Christ. If we stood with, before God without accepting his, his grace, we are condemned in the presence of God. And God says, I took care of that condemnation in the person of Jesus. And all you've got to do is open your heart and trust Him. Accept Him by faith that He died on the cross and came back to life again for you. Trust His transforming power. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you into prayer quietly in your heart. And I'd just like to encourage you to, to respond to Christ. Pray something like this. Dear Lord, I need you today. I'm a sinner and I've fallen short of your glorious standard, Lord. But I know that you died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. God, I invite you into my life right now. Thank you that your blood will cover me when I stand in the presence of an almighty God. And for others in this place today, I'd like to encourage you. Who has come alongside of you? Maybe you're, you're really struggling and, and you just need somebody to come alongside of you. I want to encourage you to get into one of these groups. Come out Wednesday night. Just jump in on one of them. Uh, just, just find a few people. Grab some people from the church and get together at your house. Get together for coffee at, at Starbucks in the morning. Whatever it is that will encourage you to have these people help you come alongside of you. Will you begin? Begin the journey of accountability. Small thing this morning that will reap incredible, big difference in your life. Father God, I thank you for... For the body of Christ, I thank you that you've given us to each other. You've saved us. 
you've uh, given us a home in heaven, and you've given us a group here, a movement of people that, that help us go down the field together. We're seeking the same goal, and while we may have differences along the way, we're moving forward. We're moving forward in Christ, and you're going to move mightily in our life. And I pray that you allow each one of us to find those groups, whether it's a small group, and all the way down to that caring friend, that we can allow them to speak truth into our life. Father God, I pray that you'll minister to your people. But we thank you most of all, Lord, for the sacrifice of Christ. We would not be here without that. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. As we sing together, feel free to come and kneel and pray. Our Father, Creator, You mold our hearts together. There's no one higher than You. Redeemer, Defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. And Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Your grace for me is always
great singing this morning. Would you turn to your neighbor? Just greet each other. We're glad that you were here this week. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a good day.